This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I am Robbie Lashua, your host here with my awesome co-host, Tyler Hurley. What's up, Tyler? Hey, what's up, you guys? We got a super exciting episode for you today. We're going to be talking about masculinity, yeah, biblical we, masculinity. And we kind of came up with this idea because we've done a show on femininity before, I think, right? Yeah, we did. It was, I believe, around Mother's Day. Yeah. And the idea was to draw emphasis on the biblical idea of feminism mm-hmm. or femininity and women's role in just life and culture and uh, biblical standards for that. And we realized, you know what? We didn't talk about masculinity and covering uh, what the biblical role is for men and how that should be. So we're going to focus on that today and kind of make a deep dive into there. Uh, You're not going to want to miss it. But before we get into that, we always start off the show with a coffee tip. Yeah, and now yes. we, Tyler and I, this last weekend, were up at our church's men's retreat. Yes, we And were. so a lot of dudes in the, in the forest, tons of coffee was being drunk. I saw it. Yeah. People yeah. were drinking coffee all over the place. So we thought it'd be cool to talk a little bit about uh, like a camping style cowboy coffee thing yes. because of our time up in the woods. Yeah, no, we didn't do this. I would have liked to have tried well, no, this. No, we're not you know? animals. It's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> had actual coffee machines that we used there. But if you are an animal, as Robbie stated here, yeah. uh, go ahead and try out this tip. This is uh, known as cowboy coffee, okay? This is what we're calling it here. Um, so for cowboy coffee, you need to have a pot and coffee, but you don't need a coffee filter. What? So, now this is interesting. I might end up trying this if I ever run out of a filter okay. for my thing one day, because this might work. It might be interesting. Uh, essentially what you do is you put the ground coffee about one large scoop per person who's drinking it, uh, into the pot and add cold water. Then you heat the water over a campfire and allow the coffee to steep in the hot water. So I know what you're thinking right away. Of course, that's not going to work, right? You're going to get grounds all up in your cup, and it's not yeah. going to taste good. It's going to be like a grimy texture. I just imagine I when you you're smiling. Like that a little bit, right? Yeah, like a but you'll have like a, when you smile, you'll have all the like yeah. grounds in your teeth. Exactly. And it's uh, very yeah, attractive. A lot of people don't want that. No. So you're correct. I wouldn't want that either. So what you do <clears throat> is you go ahead and you crack an egg and throw the eggshell into the coffee pot with it. The eggshell actually helps the coffee grounds to settle at the bottom of the pot so you don't need a filter. Interesting. Okay. It is interesting. And now something I wonder, this isn't like in our research with this, I wonder if it also applies with that coffee tip we talked about a couple weeks ago about putting eggshells in your coffee grounds if it makes it less acidic. It probably would, yeah. It probably makes it less acidic and it also lowers the coffee grounds to the bottom of the pot. So So you just pour it out of the cup? Yeah, you just pour it. Dude, that's cool. And then you don't have as many coffee grounds floating around in your cup. That's way better than like using your sock as a coffee ground. I know that was a tip like a long time ago (laughs) that we did, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That You wouldn't want to do that, but if you are out of uh, coffee filters at home and you want to try this out, please let us know how it goes because I would love to try it myself. Or if you're camping, like the original intended use and you need to make coffee somehow without electricity, this is a way to do it. So let us know how it goes if you try it out. That's awesome, man. I love it. All right. Now, continuing with this uh, men's ministry retreat theme of biblical masculinity. Yes. uh, Let's talk about this. So we kind of like, uh, we kind of like uh, cast this whole episode, uh, 
in a theme that we found in Genesis. And we're going to get to that in a second. But I wanted to read this really interesting quote that I, th I think about quite a lot. It's attributed to John Stuart Mill. And this is how it goes. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Hmm. The only necessary thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And this is something that men struggle with. Since the beginning of our species, passivity has been a major flaw of men. Right. And that's what we want to talk about today is if we're going to be uh, men who follow what the Lord says and live up to the standards of his word, we cannot be passive. However, this is kind of our natural bent since the fall. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's right. Uh, with that, it's just, uh, it's something that we struggle with. It's in our sin nature. And so we're going to dive into that a bit more. I'm going to read Genesis 3, 1 through 6. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will sh not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that the, it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Okay, so now the catch there, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this passage many times in the creation mm -hmm. story, uh, but what you catch there is interesting. It says in the end of verse six, she gave some to her husband who was with her. That implies that he was standing there listening the entire time to this whole mm -hmm. conversation as it's taking place. He was observing this exchange. Uh, he was with her the entire time, and he didn't intervene. He passively stood by and observed. Uh, and he kind of just let her make the decision. Yeah. He allowed her to completely do it. He just sat along. And, and he so, allowed her to combat this lie that was coming. He, yeah, didn't, he didn't step yeah. in to help. He didn't defend or think through. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. One, one thing that's really interesting to me is um, if you go further into the cursings, uh, when God comes into the garden and says, where are you? And, you know, all that. Adam is, is trying to pass it along and saying, that woman you gave me. And, mm -hmm. he, and God says, I commanded you not to eat from the tree. Yeah. And yeah. so curses the ground because of you because, right. and I think that's interesting. Like God didn't tell Eve she couldn't eat from it. Mm -hmm. I don't think she was supposed to, but he oh, gave the command yeah. to Adam before Eve was even created. Mm. And so Adam is like ultimately responsible for this. Yeah, And exactly. he passively stands by, like you said. That's exactly the point that we're getting at here. Uh, this is just all throughout culture since mm -hmm. the beginning. Uh, passivity is one of the major flaws that men have. And if we're not constantly battling against it, it can have devastating results on so many aspects of our lives. And it's, yeah. it's something that really needs to be fought in our culture. It does. Yeah. And, and as men, like we need to be on the alert that this is something that lingers in us. Like mm -hmm. we have a propensity to passivity. Yeah. Yeah. And it even goes back. Like if you want to listen to our episode, we just 
talked about on pornography. We talk mm-hmm. about the passive man uh, and a, a little bit. Well, it's actually called the empty self is yep. the defined word. But that kind of applies to being passive. That's a part of uh, living out the empty self. And so if you want more context on that, feel free to go back to that. But yep. yeah, but that's the point is men struggle with this a lot. We do. And this, this gets into um, a couple of different types of sin in our life. There are uh, sins of commission and sins of omission. So sins of commission are things that we do that we shouldn't do. Yes. When I commit a wrong act, when I stab somebody in the face or I steal somebody's wallet or I, I'm sinning by my actions. Uh, sins of omission are things that we're supposed to do, but we don't. Yeah. Things yeah. that we omit doing and omission mm-hmm. is passivity. That's what we're talking about here. So these these issues that we're going to talk about today are sins of omission. It's not doing the things we're supposed to do because we have this propensity towards passivity as men. Uh, I want to start with, with marriage, passivity in marriage, all right? So listen to what Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does Mm. the church, because we are members of his body. Yeah, and that's that's exactly the key, right? That's the question we should be asking is how did Jesus love the church? And yeah, if husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Exactly. Let's look at Jesus, right? Yeah, let's do that. And so uh, just to kind of give some examples of this, we see all throughout Scripture how Jesus loved the church, and that's the example that husbands are called to love their wives. Um, Jesus actively humbled himself, first and foremost. That mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Right? Mm -hmm. He came as a human being. Yep. And he actively submitted to... Uh, foregoing some of his God, uh, attrib- not, not losing his attributes, but limiting yeah, his power. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's a form of humility by sacrificing that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And this, but this was something that he actively did. Of course. He didn't just yes. let it happen. It, to you're him. right. It, that's yeah. a good point. It wasn't a passive. No. Humbling. He, he had to actively do it. <clears throat> he did. Correct. So if we're still love our wives, like he loved the church, we need to actively be humble. Mm in our approach with our wife, right? Yes. Another thing that we see Jesus did is he intentionally or actively came to save us. He tells us this. Uh, I love this passage in Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was the purpose of him coming, to give his life to save us as a ransom. And this was an active thing that he did, not something he just let happen to him. He actively came to save us. Yeah, and that's that's a very good point, Robbie, too. With that, like, 
it's just something to think about that Jesus did not fight for his rights, right? He, he laid them down in order to obey God and love others. That mm. was the, the goal. That's how he humbled himself too in that, like in his humility, he mm-hmm. didn't even stand up for himself in that way. He lowered himself. So, uh, another passage I'm going to read is, uh, Matthew 26, 39. It says, uh, um, yeah, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Right? Isn't mm. that interesting? Yeah, he's giving up his desire, his will, his it, wants. Yeah, he's saying, he's like, look, I don't want to do this. It's yeah. going to suck, right? It's going to hurt to be uh, tortured and killed on the cross. And he's asking, he's like, Lord... Like, Father, give me, if there's another way, provide it, because I don't want to do this. But he finishes that by saying, look, I'm going to sacrifice myself because it is your will, not mine. And that's that's a big form of humility. It is. And this is how we're called as husbands to love our wives. Mm. It's not a passive thing that you do. It's an active thing that you do, right? You humble yourself. You intentionally act. You uh, don't fight for your rights, but you follow what God says. You relinquish your desires for the good of others, right? Mm. I think it's also worth mentioning that when we don't treat our wives well, it hurts our relationship with God. Yeah. And this doesn't get talked about enough. Um, this, this passage freaks me out. First uh, Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Mm. Dude, this is serious, Yeah, yeah, right? Our prayers to God can be hindered if we do not honor our wives and live with them in an understanding way. Yeah, that's That's a big deal. It it really is. It's something that we don't think about a lot. And that's that's where being passive can hurt, right? Yeah. Uh, And like, because this isn't even always going out of our way to do things. It's by not supporting and loving our wives well, we're in direct... Contradict, contradiction with how Christ loved the church and yes. how we're called to love our wives, which this passage says our prayers will be hindered. That So that's huge. Our relationship with God is literally disrupted yep. when we are not being loving to our wives. And one of the ways that, that we uh, bring this hindrance on our prayers is by being passive. Yeah. We yeah. have to actively... Uh, pursue our wives. We have to actively be self-sacrificial. It's not something that just happens to us when you're sitting around. You have to actively pursue these things. Yes. And and when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, it's a sin of omission, right? Yes, of course. And that's that's something that I think men really struggle with. So passivity in marriage is a big problem in our culture. But as Christians, we need to uh, really step it up and mm. not uh, let that hinder us. Yeah, of course. And then uh, to kind of segue into the next aspect of passivity, um, the, I wanted to talk about too passivity in family because that is something also that you see a lot. Um, first Timothy five, eight says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That mm. that's really bold. Yikes. Worse yeah, that's scary. Than an unbeliever. So, and this is interesting. I got some, uh, 
statistics to show you like, yeah, this is happening mm -hmm. uh, frequently throughout our culture. 84% uh, of single parent homes consist of women raising their children. Yeah. And this is right? common, right? Isn't this your, your experience when yeah. there's single parent homes, it's typically always the mom who's raising the kids. It, it really is. Uh, oftentimes you see in a, like so many scenarios where the husband gets the wife pregnant and is yep. like, oops, I'm out. And then, yep. That's it. She's left to raise the child on her own. Uh, and then there's other examples, too, of like husbands who just leave their families and sure. the wife just stays with the kids. So this is something that is a problem, uh, which, again, uh, if you recall what that passage just said, it said that um, in First Timothy 5.8, that if you do this, uh, if you do not provide for the members of your household, you are worse than an unbeliever, is yeah. what it says. And that's a really bold statement. Uh, so continuing on that is, uh, why is it right? That so many men are willing to abandon their children, right? That's the question because yeah. we, like we said, we, we just talked about, we see this, it's obvious in culture that this is going on. So why does that happen? And I think the answer to that is passivity and yeah. selfishness. Yeah, I'd agree. Absolutely is. It's easier to say, oh yeah, you just take care of them. I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah, of course. Uh, there are detrimental effects of children not growing up with a father uh, in their home. Yeah. And they're, they're well documented. We have tons of research oh, yeah, on this all topic. Over the place. Uh, yeah, and it's not ideal and it often leads to issues for the children. And we even, we even have some stats to share with you guys about that to validate that. Yeah, so here's some of the sad uh, <laughs> realities of kids not growing up with, with their parents both at home, mm -hmm. uh, people whose parents have divorced are more likely to fail to progress, uh, to progress at school. Uh, children who are in, uh, what the researchers categorize as a fragile family where parents are either cohabitating together and they're not married, or it's just a single parent home. Mm -hmm. Kids in those types of families are twice as likely not to graduate from high school. Is that crazy? That being a stat. That's like, a That's lot. insane. Yeah. 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 Um, there's also data that shows that even a child in a stable single parent household, right, where the mom or the dad's really providing and doing a good job, even kids in a stable single parent household are likely to do worse on some measures than children mm. of married couples. Just wow. the fact of staying married is a huge benefit to our kids. Yes. It's in true. so many different ways. I want to read to you a quote from Dr. Sarah McLannan. She said, having two adults who cooperate to raise the child who give time and money means there are just more resources than one doing it. Hmm. And this makes sense, right? Um, yeah. Not yeah. to mention like, I mean, every movie I saw as a kid that was about an orphan is always about the orphan trying to find their real parents. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> There's like this yeah. longing for, I got to know who my biological parents are and they should be the ones raising me. And obviously in a broken world, that doesn't always happen, mm -hmm. but it definitely is the ideal. And providing for our families is definitely financial, but Tyler, it's a lot more than just financial, Oh, of course right? it is, yeah. We got to provide security. We got to provide love. We have to provide discipline. We have to provide instruction. We have to provide discipleship. Yeah. All of these things. And, and when we don't provide what the, the dad, what the male relationship in the family is supposed to provide. Yeah, exactly. It's detrimental. And, and, and the Bible says, if you don't do it, you're kind of worse than an unbeliever. Yeah, that's exactly exactly what it says. And with that too, um, I want to touch to you a little bit more on, uh, one of the things you said on discipline, right? And uh, not disciplining 
or sorry, uh, discipling. I meant to say discipling, not discipling in like raising our kids up in Christ mm-hmm. and growing them and mat- helping them mature uh, is one of the worst sins of omission that a man can commit. Because yes. the thing is, is you're thinking about it, you're being passive. That's like in the same way. It's just as detrimental to them by not providing. So it is, and so we have a lot of dads who will provide financially, exactly. But they're very passive in actively discipling their kids or raising them up to be uh, men of character or women of character. This happens all the time. Yeah, it's a big problem. And so uh, I'm going to read Deuteronomy six, six through nine. Says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk, talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And do you see that? That's a strong commandment and a calling of saying how to cherish the word and teach it to your children. Yeah. Yeah. And so we are called to disciple our children, to teach them the things of God and to model for them what a follower of Jesus looks like. And that you can't be doing that if you're being passive and saying, oh, I'm just going to let mom do it, right? Yep. Or I'm just going to let the church do it and teach them that. No, you need to fill that role as the father and as the husband, as the male role model for your kids. Uh, so often we leave it up to that, right? It's up to the society, the school, like whether it's um, church or school yeah. to teach kids morals. A lot of men are passive and say, well, look, these people are doing it. So yep. I, I don't have to get involved. Some, some like, okay. I know I've seen this a lot in our society where men will, uh, they think that their only job is to provide money and a house for their kids. Yeah. And that's a really good thing, but that's not the only thing. And so we we have like sublet, we've farmed out our responsibilities to where the youth pastor or the pastor um, disciple my kid, and then the teacher uh, educates my kid, mm-hmm. right? Even in sex education, if that's the public school's job to to educate my kid, right? And yeah. so we, and then the yeah. coach is the one who does what? Well, he teaches my kid how to be a good sport and how to win and how to work hard and have self discipline, and so. All of these things, um, we are being passive instead mm. of taking the active role in discipleship, in character building, and in education with our children. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, and that's the thing that's crazy is God designed it that way. God designed it for us to be, the as fathers, we are supposed to be his the primary tool within the family to show children uh, like that we love them and that they should also look to the father for love and f- for wisdom and that that we are supposed to be their guide and we need to stop being passive and take seriously that calling because it's something that's really falling, uh, not just in society and culture in general, but in the church, a lot of men are being passive in the church as well in doing this. When you have that, you have this problem of men not being an active role in their kid's life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the kid grows up projecting onto God, how their dad was yeah because god's true. called our father and so and that for some of us who have good dads is a good thing but for some of us who don't have good dads that's not necessarily a great title yeah to throw on right. god it brings up bad images it brings up um neglect right yeah i mean what is neglect it's passivity it exactly is and yeah. so we have to do the role that god has created us to do but that means being active not passive mm. and and honestly tyler i don't know about you but in my life like it's easier just to let other people do. It, it really is. And like, that's something that I think is uh, human nature in us, right? It's something, uh, 
I mean, it, it, it's always let someone else do it for you. Yeah. You know, that mindset, especially like in culture. And this isn't always bad in every sense, but like in the aspect of, uh, for me, for example, um, my, my dad and my father-in-law, they've always, uh, like they've liked to do oil changes on their own. Yeah. But for me, I've always been passive and I'm more of the guy who's like, <laughs> look, I don't want to put in that work. I'm just going to pay someone to have them do sure. it. Right. That's a, that's a small example. And it's not bad. It, to exactly. That. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's like that, that nature that we have in us. That's like, Hey, if there's someone else that can take care of my problems for me, yeah, let's have them do it. Yep. And that's, that's always what it is. Right. And so, and the danger is when we let that come into the involvement with our family and with our kids, that's really important. Yep. I don't want to talk so, about this with my wife because I'd rather just sit on the exactly. couch and watch my show or watch my game or whatever. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah. that is so dangerous. It is. Yeah. It's not how we're supposed to live. So we got passivity in marriage, passivity in the family. Now let's talk about passivity and standing for justice. Like yeah. we said at the beginning of this podcast, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Mm. Yeah. Right. Uh, so God has told us to stand for justice. Micah 6, 8 is a really common passage that, that tells us this. Let me read it here. It says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Hmm. This is what we're called to do. Do justice, love mercy and walk humbly. Yeah, that's but doing justice isn't a passive thing because it's an active thing. You're doing it, right? It exactly is. Yeah, and with that, um, there's something else like with uh, standing for injustice that I wanted to touch on. Yeah, uh, a lot of times in our culture, and you see this right now uh, with abortion, right? Um, the very stereotype scenario is what will happen is a woman will get pregnant, and then she'll approach her boyfriend or her husband, whoever it is who she's dealing with, and she'll uh, she'll say, "Hey." Um, I don't know what to do. I don't think that I can provide for this kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm ready. Things like that come up and they'll ask them, what do you think? And a lot of times what you'll hear, a typical response that a man would say that you see throughout culture is they'll say, look, whatever you want to do, mm -hmm. I will support you. I'll support you, but I'm not making the decision. Exactly. I'm not going to make the decision. Yeah. I'm going to support you in whatever you want to do. Okay. And, and this is detrimental because... Uh, when, especially in the terms of abortion, okay? What you're doing if, as a man saying to your girlfriend or whoever that you can just do whatever you want to do, that's not actually being supportive. Newsflash. No. Like, no, it's not. Really what you're doing is you're really it's saying, look, you go ahead and if you want to go ahead and get the abortion, go ahead and do that. Yeah. That's really what they're saying. Because really what the woman is trying to ask for is like, they probably would like it if the man would step up and say, look, no, I want to help you. I want to mm -hmm. support you. I want to provide for that child. Let's keep the baby and let's yeah. get through this together. But no, no, that's not what happens. Oftentimes you'll see when a woman is like thinking through that question, uh, the man will oftentimes be passive and step out of that. Yeah. Cause it's easier not to take responsibility. Exactly. And that's how it is. Not even an abortion, but just all aspects of life. Oh that, yeah. Yeah. Tons Disciplining of your kids, making big yes. decisions about jobs or moves mm. or so often you have women who are like, Hey, let's figure this out. Hey, let's go. And the guy's like, you know what? You know, just whatever you want to do. That's a great point. That is such a good point. There are so many 
times that this happens in culture where, yeah. yeah, like you said, it's like what, when you have a big decision to make as a family or something to do about your kids and mm -hmm. disciplining them or, uh, helping them with something they might be struggling with and the husband or man can just be passive oftentimes and say, well, look, yeah, you can take care of it. I trust you or like, yeah. but, but that's not, they act like they're being supportive. You, we, when but it's you make laziness. That statement, but it's laziness. It that's yeah. exactly what yeah. it is. So that's something that is detrimental in our culture. It's something that is infected in the church, and yep. it's something that needs to be eradicated. And that's what we need to focus on more is focusing on what does it look like to be a masculine uh, role model for yeah. your wife and for your kids and for your family. Yeah. And standing for justice, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so we have all of these injustices around us. And mm. one of the most atrocious, like you said, is abortion. So yeah. what are men doing to stand up for the rights of the unborn? Mm. Right. Yeah. What are men doing? And I'll be honest with you. Um, when I go down to like pregnancy centers, there's usually more women working there than men. That's true. Yeah. And I'm not saying it has to be all men, but there should be some, mm -hmm. right? W what is going on with that? And, and maybe sometimes we, we do buy into that idea that, oh, a man can't tell a woman what to do with her body type thing, which is just not, it's not true, true at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's easier to be passive than to be proactive. And we yeah. have to be active in justice. We're supposed to do justice, not just allow injustice to happen all around us. And so mm. passivity in marriage, passivity in family, passivity in justice, right? Yeah. Good men yeah. doing nothing. That's what that all of that is. That's right. good men yeah. doing nothing. Now let's talk about passivity when it comes to the Great Commission. Mm. Uh, Jesus commanded us to go make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them all that he has commanded. So my question, Tyler, is why are most Sunday school teachers around the country women? That is such a good question. You ever thought about that? You're right. Uh, and it's true. They are. For young children, a lot of times it's just women. And it's not yeah. bad. And women do a great job. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying women can't teach Sunday school. Of right, course of they course. can. But well, where are the men teaching these little disciples all that Jesus has mm. commanded? Yeah. There's some really interesting statistics on men coming to know the Lord. I, 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 I just remember... Like as a kid, so um, the first mission trip I ever went on, I was uh, 16 years old. It was in the year 2000. Do you remember that year? Were you alive then? I was. I okay, was that's good. Oh, so, nice. Okay, yeah. so you were toddling around. That's great. Yep. <laughs> so I go on my first mission trip in high school in 2000, and um, dude, it was just striking to me that I had a, a group of people from across the country in this organization. Nine of our team members were girls. Hmm. Three were guys. And then we went to this headquarters place in Chicago where other teams were coming in from all over the country to assemble to go on their trips. Yeah. And, and I, I saw like four other teams there of people that I'd known from other things. And dude, every team was pretty much nine girls, three guys. That's interesting. Nine girls, two guys. Nine. Yeah. It was always more girls. And it made me think, why is it that there's more females that are obeying the command to go make disciples yeah, yeah. than there are male? Right. And I've seen this over and over again in so many different places of worship around mm. the world. Women are willing to serve God and to worship God, and men are passive and don't. Yeah, that's true. And so I want to read to you this, this stat. This blows my mind. So if, um, if a kid comes to know the Lord and they're the first person in their household to come to believe in Jesus, there's a 3.5% probability that everyone else in their house will come to know the Lord. 
Wow. A kid yeah. comes to know Jesus, then 3.5% of the time, everyone else in their house comes to know the Lord. And so I know people mm. who build... Um, build ministries around this. Like, Hey, let's go to the schools. Let's get the kids. Then we get the kids to believe in Jesus Mm. and then we'll impact the families. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's not bad, but it only, it only has a 3.5% success rate. Right. Yeah. Now listen to this. If a mother in a family becomes the first Christian in her household, there's a 17% chance of probability that everyone else in that house will come to know the Lord. Wow. Okay. So that seems like a better strategy is like, Hey, let's go after moms. Right. Right. Yeah. Now listen, this is so crazy. If the father is the first to come to know Christ Mm. in his house, there is a 93% Mm. probability that everybody else in the household will become believers. 93%. 93%. 93%. 93%. So, Tyler, who should we be targeting with the gospel? Men, of course. And who are really good at talking to men? Other men. Other men, yeah. yeah I was going to say, we do like, it yeah. all the time, right? Of course. That's like indigenous ministry, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's 93% of the time, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. our biggest strategy to reach our culture should be targeting men, men mm. reaching out to men to share the gospel. This would have a huge impact on families. This is the best bang for our buck yeah. if we would just target men. Yes, of course. But you need godly men who are taking the Great Commission seriously, not passively, to go out and to do this. Mm. We actually see an example of this thing playing out in Scripture, which is really cool, in Acts uh, chapter 16. Yeah, I'm going to read that out for you guys. This is uh, verses 25 through 34 of Acts 16. It says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice and said, Do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family, Mm. Then he brought them up to his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Mm. And so look at that. What we see here is a New Testament example of the jailer, right, who came to know the Lord, and his household came to know the Lord with him. That's an evidence, right, of the success rate that we're talking about, uh, because that's the thing. That's exactly what we're talking about, why masculinity and that role model is so important, because men are the leaders in our household. In spite of what culture tries to say and tell you, it's just, that is the truth. That's how human beings are wired. That's how the family structure is wired, is that it is the man who is the leader in the role model of the house. And oftentimes, like the jailer, when a man makes that decision to follow Christ. The rest of the family follows through 93% of the time. Yeah. So that, that is definitely something that we should not be taking lightly. No, and we should have strategy to actively mm. pursue men with the gospel. Yes. Teaching them about Jesus, telling them what is in store for them and the love that God has for them. Like we've got to do this as men. Mm. We can't be passive in this. We have to be 
active. We have to go and, and fulfill what God has called us to do. Yeah. Um, this last week, I was talking with one of my friends, and this guy is just, he's the best. And he has his head on straight about following the Lord. And he was telling me the story, and uh, he was talking about the, one of his friends who had uh, just passed away uh, while he was out in Arkansas. Oh, wow. And so I was talking to him about that, and I'm like, oh, man, that's so sad. He's like, yeah, it's really sad. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, who who's this guy? And he said, well, it's my uh, ex-wife's husband. And I'm like, you said he was your friend, right? Mm, In my head. Yeah, I'm like, how do you yeah, have wow. And he's like, yeah, well, he, you know, he was my friend. Um, and, and he said, I don't want to get into, like, the divorce and when she made her mind up to leave and all that. But um, I, I had to be uh, there for my son, and I had mm. to act right in spite of other people acting wrong. Um, and he said, so yeah, so I, I, I worked really hard at befriending him and, and, and being in relationship with her as best I could for my son. And Mm -hmm. he said, and then, um, one day we're at dinner and I'd been talking to him about truth and he wasn't a believer. And so I just looked at him and I said, Hey, this is the gospel and this is what's real. Mm -hmm. And you need to, if you were going to die, do you know that you'd go to heaven? Why would you go? And are you good? And, you know, all these questions. Yeah, yeah. And he said, yeah. And I led him to the Lord, um, you know, years ago mm. at dinner because he was actively pursuing, pursuing somebody that you really, wow, yeah. in our social norms, shouldn't even pursue. Yeah, right. And then this guy had just died, but he knew he was a believer mm. because he himself had led him to the Lord. That's amazing. Well, wow. that's biblical masculinity, of right? Of course it is. Like yeah. setting aside your rights and your mm. hurts in order to love others. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. such a great example of it. And so that's the type of thing we are called to do. Hmm. So often, it's it's and it is, it's easier to be passive. It's easier yeah. just to let yeah. life happen to you. It's easier just to let the school raise your kids. It's easier to let the youth pastor teach your kids about Jesus. We can't do that. Right. We have to step up and be the men that God has called us to be, being proactive in our mm. family's life, being proactive in our marriage, being proactive in our church, being proactive with justice in our culture, right? Oh, yeah. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Yes, that's so true. And we have got to step up and be who we're supposed to be. And so we hope that this has been a good reminder of yeah, that of to you guys. We hope that this has been an encouragement, but also some of you needed a kick in the pants about mm-hmm. your life. And it's not just about entertainment and pleasure. That is not the goal of life. Mm. The goal of life is to honor God and enjoy God and follow what he calls us to do. Even if it leads to suffering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think is the opposite of pleasure. Well, and that's that's exactly it, right? It's and that's a lot of times that's what good discipline is. That you have to push through suffering in light of in in spite of your own desires. Yep. And to do what's right. Exactly. To do what's right. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to be doing, guys. And so we hope that this has been encouraging, but also challenging. And women out there, um, if, if you, you know, we know a lot of younger ladies listen who are in college and in high school. If you're looking for a guy who's a good candidate uh, to marry, how passive is he in his life in the important things? Yeah. That's what I would look at. You want to find somebody who's actively pursuing God on his own and isn't somebody that you're having to push to do that. Mm. You want somebody who's already doing what they're supposed to be doing. So yeah. this is a good barometer to look at. How do they treat their family? How do they serve in their faith community? All of these types of things are really good to check out to uh, to find a good guy to marry. That'll yeah. be a good husband. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yep. Well, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us this week on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We will be back next week with another episode.
If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ culture, and coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee.